Amanda Burke Jaworski is a 28-year-old mom, author, and survivor of domestic violence. And she joins us here today on the Power to Pivot podcast to talk about her journey, as well as her new book, A Different Ending, The Side of Love Less Talked About. Domestic violence is a topic that may be controversial, but it affects so many of us out there in the world. And my hope is that this podcast touches those that need to hear it so that they know that they are never stuck, that they are never lost, and they are never alone. I'm so excited for today's guest. She is the author of A Different Ending, The Sight of Love Less Talked About. Please welcome Amanda Burke Jaworski. Amanda, how are you today? Good. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for asking. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Your book covers a really sensitive but important topic mm-hmm. that I think more people really need to be aware of. Can you share with us just a little bit about what your book deals with? So A Different Ending is a fictional story about a 19-year-old girl who was living through a domestic violent relationship and she recently left. However, now that she recently left, she is dealing with the aftermath of her decision to leave. She is living with her boyfriend in the beginning of the book. His name is Tyler, and they were close friends. Growing up, they were always together. However, not after, not long after they moved into their first place, she realized that she didn't know as much as she thought she did. She always felt comfortable with him, which is why she went with the relationship. Um, now she's faced with a side of love that's not often mentioned, and she's stuck. She feels scared. She doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Although Tyler won over Eliza's heart, he abusively has taken control over her life, and she never imagined being this, in this position. Now she has to make the most terrifying decision, and she reached out for help from a guy that she's been friends with and that Tyler knows he's a mutual friend and that caused a lot of anger from Tyler towards Eliza and because of Eliza's decision it kind of fueled Tyler's anger even more and he does something awfully permanent drastic and terrible which alters everyone's life in the story Nolan, the friend that has helped her leave Tyler, Tyler's life was changed. And most importantly, Eliza's life was changed because of this decision that Tyler made. It's a really good book and it shows a lot of strength. I think it gives a lot of hope to people in this predicament. And I think it really will change a lot of lives. It'll spark a conversation that needs to be started Yes. Yep, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit, Amanda, about how you came to write the book? Like what was your is this written while well, it's fiction? Was it written from personal experience, friends experience? Where where did you get this? Well, I was a teen mother. I had my daughter I pregnant at seventeen. And unfortunately, like Eliza, I was also in this position. I had an apartment and I thought everything was going so well, but I realized 
through little arguments that had escalated rather quickly and things that were said and shoves and pushes that I am in an abusive relationship. And I might sound a little funny saying that I didn't realize it at first, even though I went through the shoves and the pushes and the name calling and the mental abuse, but I don't think you realize it at first. I think you kind of have blinders on when it first starts until it gets really bad. I I was in a relationship for four years, but the last year when Mm -hmm. we moved into our own apartment with, and I mean, of course, like he had mental instabilities and I think moving into an apartment at 18 years old with a child and bills and having to live like an adult, you don't get to do what you want when you're a teenager. And honestly, I think that Mm -hmm. fueled his anger a lot towards me as if I put him in that position. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we both had this child, but I feel that he right really right. blamed me for the life that he was living now and he took that anger out on me in ways that were absolutely despicable right i'm so sorry to hear that you had to go through that um i i'm proud that you felt called and were able to write a, a story mm-hmm. about this you know, from my own personal experience in my life, this is not a topic that's easy, but it's something that right. there's a message there that needs to be shared. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to suffer alone. I know for myself, there was a very long time that there was this feeling of, of helplessness, not really knowing that I had another option, not feeling like I could make a different choice. And ultimately, you know, we do get that power. We, we, we always have that power to choose something else. What got you to that point of being able to get out? You know, you my like, daughter no more. was I'm not doing this again. 13 months old at the time. And I didn't want her to have to live through that life. But most importantly, one night he wanted to go out or something and he had called off of work. And I was upset. I mean, at 18 years old, you don't have a lot of money to pay the bills. <laughs> and I was working so much. And we had gotten into an argument. I was holding my daughter and he physically put his hands on me and shoved me up against the wall with my daughter in my arms. And after that point, it was like, it was oh weird because all of the abuse that I went through, like I said, I had blinders on so to speak. And it was like that moment that he Mm -hmm. escalated it like that physically while I was holding my daughter, it was like blinders were off immediately. And that was it. I knew that things could get dangerous and who's to say she's not going to be the next one that's going to be hurt intentionally or accidentally. I don't know. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. taking that risk. I was lucky though, because I had a lot of support I have a very supportive family, and that's not always the case for people. 
not a lot of people have that support where they could call mom and dad or Mm -hmm. gram or pop or a friend or an aunt and say, listen, this is what I'm going through. I need a place to stay. I'm moving out of my apartment with my daughter. That's not always the case, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I would say too, I think for me, it was always a matter of, I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I could stand up and say, hey, I need that help. Because I was always afraid of him, but I was also afraid to say I need help and I made a mistake or, hey, you know, and that just continued to leave right. down this track of I need to suffer in silence and not really understand. And there was a long time where I, I, I wore this, this mask because... I just right. It sparks embarrassment, failure, feelings of being in failure, and that is the farthest thing from what you are as a domestic abuse victim or survivor. You are the farthest thing from a failure or an embarrassment or anything like that, and it's hard to like feel like you aren't, but it's true. Yep. It's not your fault. You didn't ask for it. Uh, and, and no matter what, you are a person who deserves respect and love. And that does not include being mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally beaten down. So I think this book for sure is, is a great way to start this conversation. What is your your message that you would want to share I want everyone to know that through the, this book you are worthy of a different ending and I mean one in four one out of four women are abused whether that's mentally physically sexually emotionally and one out of nine men are abused those numbers are terrifying those numbers are a lot to be concerned about and mm-hmm. I think if we start this conversation and we keep it going I, my message is simple. Please understand that you are worthy of a beautiful life. You don't have to live in fear. And like I said, there are women and men that don't have support of their family or might be judged for being a domestic abuse victim. As silly as that sounds, it does happen. But there are resources in your community that could help you. You could call a woman's resource center, the police. You could put... Mm -hmm restraining orders and they could kind of help you and guide you through your family court system. I live in Pennsylvania. So we have a lot of women's resource centers in my area. I'm not sure how different states work, but I know that communities have these resources out there and I promise you they will help you. You know, I think you bring up a, a lot of great points as you're talking. You know, my mind's kind of going in a couple of different directions because, one, there are resources mm-hmm. out there. Sometimes it, they can be difficult to find. Um, and every state is different, but most mm-hmm. states at this point, I think, has at least a women's shelter or a women's source um, that you can go to. I think in terms of legislation, I know here in Pennsylvania, the law is written the way the law is written, (laughs) Um, which can be a help or a hindrance, but there is 
at least somebody there that can help guide you through if you hit a roadblock. And right, right. And you, you made a very good point about the different lives yeah. that pertain to domestic abuse. A lot of things they don't like to identify as domestic abuse. And I just can't even fathom why that is. <laughs> so one of the things that really kind of confused me and shocked me at the same time is the, especially here in Pennsylvania, and let me just put this disclaimer out, I'm not an attorney, I am not a legal expert by any stretch, but I did have to spend some time learning Mm -hmm. what the law was here in the state, and our state does not recognize emotional abuse as abuse, and that's very a little bit upsetting not a little bit it's a lot upsetting because in my situation it made it harder to to prove it made it harder for anybody to stand up and go right right because you know to get a psa there needed to be that physical element in order for it to be put you know um in order for it to And I think that causes even more stress and aggravation and feelings of despair. And when you can't protect yourself because you don't have physical scars showing. Right. Absolutely. And it's confusing because then when you look at, when I looked at the information that I was getting from the women's center and it's saying mental, physical, emotional, and I'm like, but wait a minute, but my, you're saying it is. But the law is saying it's not. Yeah. How can it both? And why am I so having such a hard time getting the help I needed to get out of this situation? I think and, these laws need to be updated a lot. Yeah, there needs to be a lot more consistency because I know it, it contributed to me feeling stuck. It contributed to me feeling in fear. And I, I remember sitting in the courthouse and going, what the F am I going to do now? Like, what I don't know that this what is there and there was you know physical and without getting into my background with it you know ultimately I was able to get the PSA Mm -hmm. but it should not have been that confusing or difficult to get help no and you know it's funny you say that because growing up my parents argued a lot and you know my father was a great father he still is a great father he's in a amazing grandfather but as a husband he just that wasn't his thing in life I guess you could say and he and my mother would fight terribly Mm -hmm. um I remember my mom would call the police for help and the police would tell us do you feel would tell my mother I was I was a young child they would ask her if she feels unsafe or if she feels like she's in a lot of danger. And she would reply, yes, naturally. That's why I just called you. But um, they would tell my mother that if she felt that she was in that much danger, that she would have to leave the house mm-hmm. with us. And my sister and I were probably five and six, five and seven. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter if it was, you know, 10 in the afternoon or 3.30 at night. I mean, that was in the 1990s, and things really did change a lot from that time. But I remember growing up, my father didn't have to leave the house. And 
I mean, it was in both of their names. They owned the house. They were married. And as I got older, I was like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how my mom felt to have to go through that as a parent. And then unknowingly, I was in the same situation. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. And that was it because I need to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. That's a big contributor to domestic abuse also is going through it and then as I grew up things simmered down in my household and everything was okay so I had the mindset like this this too shall pass like it's not always going to be this terrible Mm -hmm. and it might not be that terrible for myself or him but for my child that has lasting effects absolutely those scars that's the thing, like, you don't, you don't see the physical scars necessarily after, but emotionally, those scars take a really long time to move on from. They take forever. And, yeah, and the impact, it's not even just your physical self. Like, it, I know for me, it impacted my ability to trust other people, how I was showing up as a mom, how I was showing up as a business owner. You know, that fear, it it doesn't just stop the moment that person leaves your life. It doesn't. You're so right. And I think that's important to remember, too. And honestly, after, here was the thing that I, I struggled a lot with, too, was the question from other people, why did you stay so long if you were so awful? Which is, okay, fair, but not always given in a way that was not it wasn't supportive it wasn't helpful for me to be getting that question when I was coming through this situation did you feel almost mocked when they would say that to you sometimes I would feel like there's people that were genuinely asking me and then sometimes there was people who were saying it in like a well then why did you stay like condescending. I felt very mocked sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what the heck was your problem? Like, you didn't see? You didn't see this? Mm-hmm. And you know what the reality was? No, I didn't. Because I was blinded in a lot of ways by my own um, ego. One, mm-hmm. feeling like I, I could fix it for him. And that it was my job. And ultimately, I had to get to a point where I could say, you know what? No, this is your stuff. You need to look at this. Um, and this isn't right. Um, I was blinded by the fact that I was his wife. And I felt like I took on that responsibility to take his shit. Yes. You know. Um, and that I wasn't worth it. No. <laughs> he was telling me I wasn't worth it. And yeah, I felt very much like why why did anybody else get that? So Because you're in a point in a place where when you get married, the person you love, who you love with everything in your heart, you assume and expect love you back. Mm-hmm. So it's like this person that is supposed to be my number one protector in this world is now my my number one um fear and my number one threat. And it's like, how, how this doesn't make sense to me. And it's almost like it's so much to deal with that. It's just like, 
I'm going to take this worry off and I'm going to place it here and I'll come back to it. But you never actually come back to it. <clears throat> Sorry, until you're, you're in a terrible place and, and, and you don't know what to do because now life is altered so much because it's like once you take their abuse, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, sexually, once you take that little bit and you swallow that down with pride, guess what? It gets worse because they think because they got away with it this time or that time that they start testing the waters to see how much they really could get away with. And that just comes back to, to the issue of control. Mm-hmm. That's, that was the way it was for me. And, and looking back, you know, I, I can see every time it was like the Annie just kept getting higher and higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And that there came a point where even even the the people that we had brought in to support us family-wise, you know, we had you know, family-based therapy here, you know, there was couples counseling, you know, knowing what was going on. And, and you know what? No one said to me, you can leave. Like, and, and it, it's sad. I look back and I go, what the heck? Like, I, I felt like I needed permission to, like, break that duty mm-hmm. as a wife to go, you know what, nope, I don't have to take this crap anymore. But I almost needed that permission. But instead of getting that, I got a safety plan. And, you know, well, this is what we're going to do when things escalate again. Because that mental that mental illness that he has, which I am not by any stress saying that it doesn't exist. He, but I know he took advantage. And instead of saying this is getting worse, it was just like okay well you need to deal with it now you this serious to the point where you brought us in here's the plan that you're going to follow and just call us if you need help but it was never like oh Mm -hmm. it's not you're you listening to you i feel like i'm listening to myself (laughs) like it's so similar in so many ways could you hear me today why I'm listening to someone tell a story of what I went through because there are so many similarities to what I experienced on the inside and behind closed doors. It's, it's uncanny. So let's talk about after for you, because I, there was those questions, you know, why did you say, and ultimately, how did you respond? Like what was, but how did you, and how did you get over that any embarrassment or guilt when you asked that question? I had a best friend who she would fight to the death for me. God love her, and I hid a lot of it from her because I knew she would not be happy, and I didn't want to deal with any of the problems because I know he would have said, "Well, you're, she doesn't like me, so you're not hanging out with her." But um, I just one day told her everything. And she wanted me to leave. She told me, like, you have to leave. Reach out to your parents. And I wouldn't. So she had, she was dating a man who had a friend. And his name was Joe, who I'm now married to. (laughs) He was, was, is a wonderful man. And I was reluctant to meet him. I'm like, absolutely not. I just dealt with one man. I'm not dealing with another one. Like, no. You know, like, 
But over time, right. I started hanging out with them and becoming close because he wasn't around as much. It was like he mm-hmm. started his own life while we still had a life in a way, my ex. Mm-hmm. And because I had the support from just that one person who I told and had the support from Ashley, it made all the difference where I was able to say, you know what, I'm done. You are out. It made so much difference. And I became close to Joe and we started hanging out more. And he understood that my ex was still showing up. So he started coming over more to make sure that, you know, my daughter and I were okay. And now we, Joe and I are married. We will be celebrating our fifth. Well, we've been together for about nine years now, but we've been married for five. We'll be celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary in 2021. We also have a son and he is, has all legal rights with Alexa. We went That's through the whole amazing. process of termination and it worked out well after such a nightmare, a, like a horror movie I felt like I was in. And now I'm in like a good, like more of like a Nicholas Sparks novel now <laughs> compared to what right, I was right. in. Like, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. You won't always be stuck in that position, I promise, when you seek out help. What do you say to the person who is not quite ready but knows that they're struggling? What would you say? Nobody's ever ready for change. Nobody's ever ready to make it one decision that flips their whole life around. None of us are ready for that. And that's exactly why you should just make that decision now. Because even though you're not ready, the second that choice falls into play, you're going to sit there and you're going to ask yourself why you didn't do this sooner. And Mm -hmm. as far as your feelings for that person, you're going to feel like you need them and that they're your life supply. And, but it doesn't last forever. I mean, after a month or two, I was like, thank goodness. Like, I don't think I ever actually loved that man. And Mm -hmm. it's not that I didn't love that man, but I realized that man didn't love me if he put me through that. And if he did love me, that was a very dangerous kind of love. Mm -hmm. So you need to just make that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Like you're a person, like every single one of us on the planet serves love and respect no matter what and that it's not love does not include eating and those scars and those wounds at all ever that's and you have to i still get to a point where you can see yourself as a person right not it doesn't remove those labels almost like yes i was a wife yes i was a mom but I had to take a step back from that too and go, wait, I'm a person too. Um, which sounds kind of silly to say now, but in the time, like that's literally where my head had to go. With. You're right. The labels have to fall away. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. 
we left and I know it's easier for us to tell everyone, please leave. Just do it. Your life will be better. It's hard. It's hard to even believe that your life could be better and that you could be safe. But more likely than not, it will work out. I mean, unfortunately, in September, my mom passed away on September 7th. And while we were at her her wake, her viewing, we left and I arrived home. And before I could take my heels off at my front door, I had a call that my cousin was killed. My cousin was killed by her husband. There was cases of domestic abuse and she was in the process of leaving. He, she did call the police and he was in jail and he got out and he, he, blamed her for everything but I mean at the end of the day he made those decisions that prompted her to call the police and when he got out he went straight to her house now they've been married for years they have a four-year-old daughter she has two teenage sons I mean it it could result in that it could get very dangerous and none of us like to think that domestic abuse can go to that place but it could it really could and my hope is with this podcast and and with your book and that we can start that conversation and make it louder I know the conversations are happening but it needs to be louder and stronger what tell me after you left how did you find the path back to yourself because that's not an easy road and you know what and I would ask you what's one step that maybe somebody can coming out of that relationship to really honor themselves um first off and foremost you absolutely should go to counseling and see a therapist I didn't do that Mm -hmm. and I wish I did do that because I think it would have helped me a lot faster than me trying to help myself however Once I got out of that environment and put myself in an environment where I wasn't secluded from family and I had somebody around me like Joe who just showed so much love and support and compliments and just little things like it made a difference. And I say often like you hear the phrase, you can't love anyone until you love yourself. And that's 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 true. But for my case, I mean, he brought me back to who I was. And he brought me back to a person who I think is even better than who I was. Because now I have a healthy environment, a good home. I have love. I have happiness. And honestly, just with those things, that can move mountains. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's so completely different. Exactly. There's no comparison. And it, there was a moment that I realized now with with the man I'm married to now that it like I almost it almost took my breath away the first time I settled in and realized like I was actually mm-hmm. for him. And like there's just no you can't even begin to compare the two. And it's it's just I feel so grateful and blessed. At the same time, I think I've also come to a point where I can see 
grateful, and maybe this is a, a matter of forgiveness, where I can look at what happened and say, yeah, it sucked. It was awful. I should never have had to, but I did. But ultimately, it was part of the journey and the lesson that I had to learn. And I, I hope nobody else learned the hard way like I did. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, this was part of a lesson for me in valuing who I was and valuing other people. Right, too. right. Because you do get to a point where you are just not too savvy on any kind of person after dealing with something so traumatic like that. I feel especially the, the opposite sex. I feel like I was having a very hard time trusting any man as far as that goes from doctors to just friends as, as dramatic as that sounds. It was just, I was completely like, no, nope. I'm not dealing with any kind of man. I don't trust them. If one hurt me, who's to say they all can't hurt me. And it's dangerous to be in that mind frame. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to, to to recognize that this is not just women that can do it. I know you mentioned the statistics before. You're included mm-hmm. in this. This isn't just a, a girl thing or you know, for women. And I I don't know that it, it I want to say that it's necessarily worse for men because they're men, but I think it, it's different and perhaps it's a different conversation, but it, it's everyone that's the, there's the potential there to be a victim and I think right don't have to right and I'm, uh, and it's um, I had a friend who dealt with it and his biggest thing is I'm a man I shouldn't have to deal with things like that this takes away from like my manlyhood and and my my power and my strength and it doesn't it doesn't take away from anything it just means that you, like the rest of us, unfortunately, met somebody that wasn't that stable, who wasn't a good person. That's all that means. Right, Doesn't make right. you lesser than. Right. Let's go back to talking about the writing of a different ending. How long did it take you to write the book? Okay, so it took me three years. But during those three years, I lost my father-in-law, which we lost him very unexpectedly. And then my husband struggled with that. So I kind of just stepped back and focused on my family. And then my best friend died. Unfortunately, she struggled from drug abuse over the years and she died unexpectedly. But it took me three years to write this. And honestly, within those three years, it gave me a lot of time to reflect and use my experience as a foundation to create this story. I honestly think I needed those three years because it gave me so much time to read through the book and change things and question things. And maybe I need to put this in here, but it it worked out so well. It really did. What was your process? Like at what point were you like, I I just have to write this? Honestly, I'm not even sure. I just sat down with my laptop and was like, I'm going to write. And that is it. And I started like, um, I guess you could call your typical romance with Alexa or with um, Eliza. And and then I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And then I just took it to a different place. And I was like, out of everything in life, the most 
the feelings that resonate me with me the most is the feelings that I dealt with and processed while being a domestic abuse victim and survivor. I mean, those feelings are something that will always be tucked in and you know those most genuinely out of anything you've dealt with because it's from such a strong experience. So that's when I mm. took that and just decided I'm going to see how this works on paper. And that was it. I just took off with it and I didn't second guess the rest of the story. I am so glad and grateful that you wrote this book. And I think this is um, something that everybody needs to read. And where can people find the book? A Different Ending is being sold on Amazon right now. It is in two different formats, being paper book and ebook. Um, if you are local to Lackawanna County in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which I'm sure most people don't even know where this is unless they watch The Office. Um, you it's could... very cold right now. I, I, I think I told you when we first met, we were, were working on a house near you. Is it cold there yet? I think it snowed a couple of weeks ago in Scranton. <laughs> it was snowing last night, and there was like a dusting on the toys in the backyard. And I have a Valentine's Day baby with her birthday, and his is on Christmas Eve. So they're natural-born winter kids. He had his gloves on, his coat. He was outside, and I'm like, Jojo, like, where's the snow? The snow is coming from the sky, but there was not enough to be playing in it. So, yes, it is cold, and we are sitting in our house with our heat on, enjoying our tea and hot chocolate this morning. Welcome to Scranton. <laughs> like, yeah. Our summer is good. Wanna... It... Yeah, oh, my God, it was beautiful. The fall was beautiful, driving up, up the turnpike in the Lackawanna County was just There's nothing gorgeous. like it. So where in Lackawanna County can we get the book? You could find the book at the Albright Memorial Library located in downtown Scranton. And also the book is being sold at the Library Express store, which is on the second floor located at the old Steamtown Mall, which is now the marketplace at Steamtown, which is also located in downtown Scranton. And if anybody has questions or feedback for you, um, where can they reach out to you directly? I have a Facebook page under author Amanda Burke Jaworski. And my email is amandabjaworski at gmail.com. I have a website, which should be up within the next probably two or three days. That will be amandabjaworski.com. And... We will actually have a page on there that lists different versions of domestic abuse, a little bit of knowledge as far as that goes. It'll have signs and ways you could put yourself in a safer position, resources you could reach out to. I also am going to have decals for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which the proceeds will be donated to the Women's Resource Center, which is in Lackawanna County. So you could always go there for a little bit of information and a little power boost to help you get out of your situation. Awesome. And what's next for you? Are you going to be writing another book? What is it that's coming for Amanda? I actually started the first chapter of a book last week. And... I decided as an author, I want to write fictional stories based on 
those things in life that people have a hard time talking about. Um, my best friend who she lived with us growing up, her parents were addicts. Her mom is clean, which she's amazing. But, um, I'm going to write this story in Kelsey's honor because I think opioid addiction is huge, especially in this area. I don't know about other areas and I want to shed some light on that. So that is where the content of this next book is going to be moving. Awesome. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. I am, like I said, so grateful for the book. I love that you are not afraid to talk about these hard things. Thank you. And like the truth of what they are mm-hmm. uh, and really be a resource to help people. So I, I hope everybody checks your book out. It's called A Different Ending, Inside of Love, Let's Talk About. And Amanda, I just can't wait to, to hear how the next book unfolds. So keep us posted, okay? Thank you so much and have a great holiday. You as well. We'll talk soon, okay? Thank you. Bye, guys. Take care. Hey guys, how's this episode resonating with you? We are here to let you know that you are never stuck, never lost, and never alone. And at any given moment, you have the power to make a new choice. If you or someone that you love is struggling and is a victim of domestic violence, you don't have to struggle alone. Contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-SAFE. That's 800-799-SAFE. Or, to, or you can reach them on the website at thehotline.org. Remember, you are never stuck, you are never lost, and you are never alone. Hey out there, do you know how awesome you are? And would you like to go on a journey to find out? In my book, The Journey to Healing, Love Yourself, I continue my conversation with you, and this time we're going to talk all about what happens after you've made the choice to change your life, loving yourself enough to take the step in the direction towards healing and peace. In this book, we talk about acceptance, intuition, boundaries, forgiveness, and they're all interwoven with love letters from from me. You're also going to find reflection questions to help you along your journey and a section designed to help you write your own love letters to yourself. So come along on this journey to healing and self-love. Love yourself. It's available on Amazon and Lulu, and you can find also information about it on the March 4th Media Company website at marchforthmedia.com.